0: Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Um, Welcome back to those of you um, who are coming back. And if you are new, um, welcome to the Kanyohe Church. My name is Miguel. I am the youth pastor intern here. Welcome. Um, We're going to be continuing our series in Ezekiel today, Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is going to be our second part to that. Um, But first I want to tell you a quick story. In 1924... There was a seminary college, Dallas Theological Seminary, or Dallas Seminary, one of them. A seminary college in Dallas, right? And they were close to bankruptcy, and that day they met together, and they were supposed to close that evening. Um, So the president, um, Harry Ironside, um, called a group of everyone to come together and say, let's pray to figure out what's going to happen, and what are we going to do to save this seminary? So he sits down and gathers all of his secretaries, um, his co-workers, and he prays. And he says, um, "This saying I think we, some of us might say, the Lord, you own all the cattle on a thousand hills. So he said, Lord, can you sell some of them and give us the money because we need it. Um, so while he's praying all these things, someone walks into the room, into the secretary office. Um, he's an oil man worker. He said, listen, I just sold two cattle, cattle cars worth of cattle. Um, and my business wasn't going down very well. Whatever happened, um, my business deal isn't going down. So I'm, I'm trying to find someone to give the money to, and I was led here. I was led to, uh, to give you the, the money, the seminary here. He's like, I'm not sure if you need it. Here's the check, and he left. He didn't ask any questions, he gave him the check and left. The secretary runs into the door and says, Harry, God sold the cattle. Amen. I was like, "Oh what, How's that possible?" And then they kept going. They, they were able to open the doors even longer. Now for those who were kind of like, "Wow, cool, we sold some cattle. Back in those days, uh, a cattle car was about 50 cows, 50 cows, right? Each cow was a 257 dollars per cow per head. That's how they counted them. So you have 100 of those. I'm not good at math, but that's close to like 20,000 dollars. back in those days in 1924. Imagine how much that is, how much that was back then. That's how much they got. So it's often in the waiting that God answers the prayers. Not when we want them, but when he says it is. So like I said, we're going into Ezekiel, continuing through Ezekiel 37 today. Um, For those who have been here, um, you know what we're talking about. For those who haven't, I'll give you a small recap for those who want to recap. So Ezekiel 37 is about... Um, The Lord brings Ezekiel to a vision of a valley of dry bones. The Lord asks Ezekiel, can these dry bones come alive? Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. Um, And he ends up teaching Ezekiel a very valuable lesson that he is to look at what's in front of him, the valley of dry bones, to go back to God and then come back together and work through the problems. And that's what happens. So the Lord tells Ezekiel what to say. He goes out to the valley of dry bones. He says it, and it happens. The, The bones come to life Flesh is attached to the bones, and finally, the Lord gives his breath of life to this valley of dry bones. That's the vision we've been studying uh, last week, and I didn't want to move on until we finish the chapter because while we can learn a lot from the first ten verses, the answer is in the rest of the chapter. The Lord's telling us what exactly this means. So I thought it's pretty easy. Let's just read through it. Um, but last week I just want to recap the three things we learned. We talked about giving our valley of dry bones to God, trusting that. Um, what we see is not what he see. Um, His perception is different than what we see. The second thing we talked about is that um, to trust the process and that it's not over until God says it's over. Amen. And the last thing was that we ask God to breathe his breath of life into our valley of dry bones and into our lives. So I think I got it pretty much. If you were here last week, did I get it? Um, So, like I said, we're going to continue throughout this chapter, uh, starting on verse 11. But before we do that, Let us have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. I ask as we open your word, Lord, that let it be your words and not mine. Um, Bless us here today, and let us have a good time and good Sabbath rest with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so there's a few verses. I'm going to just quickly read um, a couple. Ezekiel 37, we're in Ezekiel 37, starting with verse 11. It says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. So for those who don't remember yet, uh, the history of what we're talking about is the house of Israel has been split. They've been um, conquered a few times, and this is the aftermath of that. The northern kingdoms, the southern kingdoms are split. They're hurting people. They're a valley of dry bones. And it says here that, Um, A quote of what the people have said, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. This is something that the people are saying back then, and they have every right to feel this way. I mean, imagine living in this uh, situation where you keep getting conquered, your land is less and less. Um, I did some research, and at that time, the buildings were so battered and beaten down that people would go back to their land, to their hometown, and there was nothing there but dust and dirt. So imagine having that, where you think, "I'll just, I'll leave for a little bit, and you know, I'll, I'll be in this town as I'm, as I'm captured. I'll, I'll be free. I'll go back home. It'll be okay." But not even homes or buildings were left. So imagine feeling this way, and they, they are saying, you know, we're. Our bones are dried up. Our faith is dried up, and we've been cut off. This is how they're feeling, and this is um, again where we're entering. So this is what the Lord's saying that. Um, Ezekiel, what you just saw in the vision I showed you, this is how the people look. And uh, he's not saying it literally, but he's, he's having Ezekiel do a callback. So last week we talked about Ezekiel going to God, and God says, prophesy to these bones, blank, and whatever he said. Now he's saying, the valley of dry bones you just prophesied to, I want you to do the exact same thing, but with the house of Israel, the people, the nation. Now when I first read this, I was thinking... Okay, I mean, imagine you're a prophet, and God calls you, and He brings you to a Valley of Dry Bones, and He says, "Can these live?" And you go through the whole process; they end up being alive. He breathes in the breath of life. That's pretty crazy, even for a prophet, right? For um, Ezekiel was studying to be a priest, and the Lord called him to be a prophet. So he's going through all these steps. I'm sure he's shocked. Um, so I was thinking, that's pretty crazy enough to see a Valley of Dry Bones come to life. That's pretty crazy. But then he says. Okay, listen, you did great within that vision, but now the actual people that are hurting the entire nation, the house of Israel, I want you to do the exact same thing with them. I want you to prophesy to them that they'll come back to life. I think that's even more scarier. <laughs> Instead of a valley of dry bones, send actual people who are hurting, who are scared to say, we're going to put into action what we've been doing, what we've been, the motions we've been going through. Okay, I might get in trouble for saying this, but have any of you guys ever seen? To me, it's an old classic movie, uh, The Karate Kid. Not the new ones, like on Netflix or something, but the old one, I mean, the, the other one, uh, with Ralph Macchio, the, the actor, right, right? Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> so in that movie, for those who have seen, it, you understand that basically the gist of it is a student wants to learn martial arts. So he goes to a teacher and learns it in the most maybe impractical way. Normally, for someone who wants to learn martial arts, you go into a studio, you get taught by someone, and then in that very class, you know, you hands-on stuff, right? But in the movie, the student goes to a teacher who teaches them in a very different way. Some of you guys might remember the, the moves. It was like waxing on, waxing off, right? The painting, the, the walls, right? So he teaches them all these things, and the student gets upset. saying, like, why are we doing all these things? What's the point? And then he finally tells them it's not really about your intentions, it's the motions you're going through. That's what matters. You've been learning all these things. You're going through the motions. You're waxing on, waxing off. That's what matters because you're focusing on the wrong things. You're focusing on hurting people, right? So he ends up showing them that this, what the what the whole point of painting or waxing cars was to get the motions down. Ezekiel is doing the same thing. God just showed him the motions through the valley, and now he wants to put in the work through the people. So this is where we're at. Um, Their hope was lost, they're a valley of dry bones, and he wants them to bring them back. For me, whenever I'm in a bad physical location, whether that's traffic uh, or maybe like a bad workplace, not here, but uh, anywhere else, a bad workplace or just, I don't know, people are being really annoying, if I'm listening to maybe like my worship music, or I have my devotional. Or I just have a quick prayer. It kind of goes by easier, right? It kind of can cool things down. You can be peaceful. Um, but whenever you're in those times and you feel like you're not really connected, you're not really connected spiritually, and you feel like things get even worse. You're not. You didn't forgot to pray. Maybe you're, um, the worship music isn't really cutting it while you're in traffic, and just ah uh, gets really irritating, and you just get mad. So this people are in that position. Not only are they physically separated, but spiritually, it's gone. They're saying, Lord, what are we to do? This is like the worst feeling in the world. I'm not sure if anyone can relate to that. Um, but being physically and spiritually disconnected can be the worst. So the God, tells, God tells Ezekiel, I want you to understand how serious this is. So he shows him the entire vision of dry bones. This is how the people are feeling. And I, I know that you see it, but I want you to feel it too. Um, we're going to change that. Now, some people might think that Ezekiel, his trust in God was foolish because at first you're saying this guy, this guy and this guy is telling you to make this valley of dry bones come alive, right? And then all of a sudden, this nation which has been conquered plenty of times, God is saying, I'll come back alive. People think that was foolish to trust him. I think we just call that faith. The faith that Ezekiel had in God wasn't foolish, but it was the full trust seeing what he's capable of is what he did. It wasn't foolish. So finally, in the end of the vision, there's an army that has been risen up, and that is what God is showing Ezekiel, that this army is going to be, again, the nation of Israel once again risen up. So the first point I want to talk about today or mention is that trusting in the motions of faith that God is guiding you through right now. Whatever you're going through right now, the motions— Not the motions of going to church once a week, not those motions, but the motions of whenever you put something in front of God's hands, saying, Lord, this is all you. And if God says, great, I want you to do this as well, it's going through those motions of trusting fully in him, putting your faith and hope in him. Those motions, not the once a week motions, okay? So our first point today is trusting the motions of faith that God is guiding you through. So let's keep reading of verse 15 Verse 15, Ezekiel 37, 15, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging of Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, Ephraim's stick, belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hand. We'll just stop there. Basically what he's saying is that, there's a group of people, the house of Israel, for those who might not know. Um, they're split from northern and southern. So there's ten tribes in the northern one and two in the southern. So God is saying to write down these sticks so you can physically see what I'm going, about to do. So it wasn't, I don't have any sticks on me, but it wasn't bringing them like this. He put them on top of each other and put his hand in the middle so that together they look like one stick. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to bring back the people with one stick they're going to look the same now again I want to keep emphasizing this is a huge deal because the people don't have faith that they'll ever come back together they keep coming home to their land nothing's there so when God's saying all these things Ezekiel I feel like the pressures keep building on him like how are we gonna do this you know, I mean you did a valley of dry bones but how are we gonna bring back this nation of people who are dead who are gone or hurting but this is a huge deal because it's not bringing one tribe, but all of them. So I want to tell you a quick story. Um, there's this farmer who has a pretty wealthy farm, uh, wealthy land. He has cows, he has chickens, he has sheep, goats. I don't know about you guys, I don't know if you guys know about, about me, but I have chickens at my house. Not here, but back at home. And uh, they're pretty valuable for a couple things. Uh, they are good therapy animals if you can pick them up and pet them. They're pretty nice. They're really, you know, gentle. they let you pet them, carry them around, if you catch them. Uh, the ones here, uh, I think they're just built different. Uh, they're a little bit different, you know? So the ones at home, they can be therapy chickens and stuff. Anyway, so this family had a very wealthy uh, farm, but the problem he had was he had three sons. That wasn't a problem, but they fought the time. They were to get arguments, they would get mad at each other, they would beat each other up, get mad at who does chores who cleans up the manure, who feeds the animals, they're constantly fighting. And one day the father wakes up, he's making breakfast for his kids and they're out doing yard work and he can see through the window that they're arguing already. He's like, it's six in the morning, how are you arguing already? He's like, okay. So he goes out before they have breakfast and he calls them together. He says, I wanna have a quick meeting with you. He calls them together um, and he has them stand in front of a table and he gets a bundle of sticks that are tied up and he, gets, he grabs the sticks that are bundled up, gives it to the youngest son, and he says, break it. And the youngest is like, okay, why not? So he grabs it, he throws on the ground, nothing. And the youngest is like, hmm. So he grabs it, and then he gives it back to his father. And the father grabs it, gives it to the middle child, and he says, okay, you break it. So the middle child grabs it, he grabs it, uses his knee, he's like, Ugh. well, can't do that. Puts it on his neck, he's like, Ugh. can't do that whatever. So he gives it back to his father. And then his father grabs it, gives it to his oldest son. His oldest son seeing how the middle child, the youngest couldn't break it, he's like, I think I could do it. So he tries several methods throwing it on the ground, hitting on his brothers. Nothing happens. And he gets kind of confused and mad. His father doesn't say anything. So once he finds out that his oldest gives up, he asks for it back. They get the stick, he puts it back on the table. He unravels it with whatever was wrapped in. He gives them each one stick. He says, okay, break it. So they all look at him and they say, okay, and they just break it. Now they all just super confused. He's like, dad, why are you making us break sticks? We should be doing chores. He says, because you, my sons, are these sticks. Individually, you'll break. But together, you'll be able to withstand anything, your enemies, whatever you're going through. What matters is how you work together. Now, the three sons were kind of shocked. Like, wow! His father left um, and went to make breakfast, and these kids thought about that. They said, "Okay," and they ended up working slowly, working together, and finding out ways they can, um, how do I say this? Put up with each other. But they worked together, and it wasn't easy either. They still had their flaws, they would get arguments every now and then, but they realized the importance of working together and being strong um, as one. So they grew up not apart from each other, but they grew up working with each other. Now this idea of working together and having different parts is constantly throughout the Bible, throughout the gospel. Um, One example we can see is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. So that's your first time hearing that. It might seem like a riddle. It's not. Uh, We all have our body parts, right? And they all have individual purposes. Our feet are for walking. Our hands are for grabbing things. Our eyes are for looking at things. Our ears are for listening. Our hair, for some of us, is growing. You know, we each have our different parts. And together, through our parts, our skills, our individual talents, we are to work together to spread the gospel and spread God's love, right? Individually, how much can we do? We can get away with a lot, right? Pretty much a little bit. But if we're constantly alone, that can break us. It's not good to be alone when we have each other next to us. We all have our purpose, but we cannot, it cannot work on its own without each other. So when God is giving this, this vision to Ezekiel, that he's saying, I'm going to bring back these tribes together, I don't believe God is doing all of the work. He's going to set up the environment. He's going to set up the people to welcome back into the land. But what I think is the most important choice is of the people. When the land is there, it's set, it's, it's fruitful, it's ready for them to come. It's up to the people to work together, right? If they were to come with the same attitude that they have now, we're dead people and they have their land back. We can't do anything. God has left us. Their land's right there. The temples are be built. How much will they get done? Not a lot, right? But if they come together with the same mindset and knowing that it's going to be a while, it's going to get loud, we're going to hear the rattling of bones, but it's going to happen. That's what matters. So the second point today I want to point out to you is that working together through Christ is what makes us stronger i want to read quickly the ending of this promise it's in verse 21 it says and say to them this is what the sovereign lord says i will take the israelites out of the nations where they have gone i will gather them all around and bring them back into their own land i will make them one nation in the land there will be king over all of them will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms they will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses for i will save them for all their sinful backsliding and i will cleanse them this is the powerful part they will be my people and i will be their god again finishing the promise and saying once we come together the people is what matters first And then I'll become their God. Amen. So second point, again, is working together through Christ. Individually, I know it's hard. I know it's rough. There's some people that we just rather not drive in the same car with, you know. But it's through Christ that we work together. Realizing the people here in this church, next to you, behind you, in front of you. We each have our skills, our talents, our body members that we're good at. It's working together that makes us stronger that bundle of wood. So let's keep reading up 24. It says, My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I give to my servant Jacob, the land where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. Again, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy, when my sanctuary is among them forever. So finally, we get to the end of the promise. And he mentions somebody. He mentions David. Now, some of you guys might know the actual King David. He's talking about him as well, that he would come down and lead the people. But he talks about an everlasting prince who will reign forever. And that's talking about the Messiah who would come through the same lineage of David later on to bring the people together and to gather them. The other promise he has in this is a covenant of peace. Now, I don't know about you, but from what I've heard is that um, parents, I guess, when they come back home and there's no kids there... They can just breathe and there's peace and quiet. I don't know what that sounds like, but I'm sure it's nice. But for me, like if I come back from school or from work and I can just sit down and relax and have that peace, I don't know about you, but being promised an everlasting peace sounds really good to me. No more noise from everyone around us, no more threats, no more pandemic, nothing is hurting us, but the peace, the covenant of everlasting peace, that sounds pretty good to me. And then in the end, he says, in doing this, bringing back the people and restoring the land, then the people will know that I am the true God. There's a song that I was listening to um, while I was reading this chapter of 37. And it went, it went along pretty well. It's called um, Rattle. And I just want to quickly read you a few verses. I would sing it, but the Lord hasn't given me the right pitch to sing this song. So I'm just going to read it. So it, says, it starts like this. It says, Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And then it keeps going. It says, my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything he wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha if there's anything he can't do. Just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden what happens when God says to move. That really struck me. Throughout this entire chapter, while Ezekiel is saying these things to the people, prophesying to the Valley of Bones, it's the voice behind Ezekiel that matters. God has the final say, the final voice breath of life in the vision it was the breath of life that finished the valley of dry bones and in the end he says they will find out that i am the true god that they will be my people and i will be their god but this sounds a little familiar i don't know if you guys have caught on yet but weren't we at one point in a beautiful rich land at the very beginning didn't we have nice things in front of us And weren't we once away from that land? Currently, now, struggling, scared, spread out. But for us, the promise is not just written down. It was physically here on earth. Our promise came down to us and cast the invitation. Listen, I know you're tired. Listen, I know you've been going through all these things Listen, I know this seems like a valley of dry bones. Let me bring you up together again. Let me bundle you up with people that I know. Because together, I want to bring you back home. Our living promise came down to earth and invited us to work together. So today, I want to ask you guys a few questions. Will you trust in the motions of faith and hope relying on God in the small things so that when we do go through bigger things, we trust fully in God. And I know it might sound rough or even impossible for some people, but will you trust that your brother, your sister, your family next to you serves a purpose in the kingdom? That we all have our talents. Some of us maybe can talk more, can listen more. Um, Maybe being annoying is one of them. But we all serve our purpose. Will you trust the person next to you? Working together is what we're supposed to do. And finally, do you believe that Jesus is coming back to bring us to our land and our home once again?